Hello and welcome to the Hormonal Mama podcast. I am your host, Kara Drescher. Today on the show, I am talking with singer-songwriter Laura Kelly. Laura is a phenomenally talented singer and songwriter, and she is actually treating us today to one of her her best songs, really my favorite. It's called Beautiful That Way. We're going to be talking for a little bit, and then she's going to sing that for us. But she's also going to tell us about her new album, Domestique, which came out on June 10th. You can listen to it now. It is amazing. It is so beautiful. This is just one absolutely talented singer-songwriter. So take some time, listen to our episode, and get your hands on Domestique out now. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm so excited to have you here with me. Hi, so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it is so my pleasure. I'm so excited to talk about your music and your inspirations and all this exciting stuff. I have been listening to your music for a while now, and it's just so beautiful. And, you know, as a mom, I can appreciate beautiful music that really touches me deeply. And your music really does that for me. Oh, um, thank you. So I have a whole bunch of questions that I wanted to ask you. So I think we should just jump right in and let's get going. Awesome. I'm ready. Yes. <laughs> so my first question for you is really, when did you first get into music? And not just when, but, but how, how did music touch your life to, you know, make you so interested in writing music and per- performing music? Yeah. So that, that, thank you. That's a great question. I have always loved music. I've always loved singing. I don't know if I had a conscious awareness of how important it was to me, but it's just, I have memories of myself singing on the swings and memorizing songs when I was really little out of a music book. When I could read, I started reading really young, like maybe four oh, wow. and just loved, loved singing and loved music and lyrics. And I was really into words, especially because uh, that for me was where the power was, was in the words and the melody. Yeah. And so I started writing my own stuff, my own um, music, you know, or my own like lyrics and poems and that kind of thing as I was coming through in high school, you know, kind of broody, broody thoughts, need, mm-hmm. to, need to put it down on paper. And then I got to college and studied creative writing and poetry and short fiction. And oh, nice. I know I just loved it. I, it was so much fun. And I studied political science too, because I love ideas. I love mm-hmm. how ideas influence people and the impact that they have on culture. And so I, I actually feel like poetry and creative writing and political science have a lot of synergy or at least political ideology. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. And I started writing music on an instrument in high school. I had a project for eighth grade I think it was like Beowulf or maybe it was like 12th grade. I don't know. One of the two grades. There was a grade in there and I didn't really know how to play guitar very well, but I had boyfriends who knew how to play Mm -hmm. guitar. I had a singular boyfriend and ones before. (laughs) And I just didn't have a lot of confidence in my own skills at playing guitar. I was 
just scared, but I knew how to sing. I always knew I knew how to sing. And so we wrote a song together. We recorded it on a karaoke machine. <laughs> oh, how cool is that? I recorded Creative. it on this like karaoke machine I had on this tape, on a tape. And he recorded the guitar and then we wrote kind of the music, the melody line over it with the lyrics and then played it for my 12th grade class. And I got, I got a really good grade on that, but I don't know if it really occurred to me that I was writing a song. I mean, Mm -hmm. I knew it, but it just didn't occur to me that was something I could do. And then I started writing more in college, uh, you know, was just processing my own emotional stuff. And that was probably when I would count that I wrote my very first like song song was, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe freshman year in college. Wow. Yeah. It took me a while. And then it's just kind of been in the background of my mind for my whole life, just there calling me to it. And I just didn't really have a sense of how to do it professionally. So really began to step into that maybe 2015 decided Mm -hmm. or 2014 reached out to, uh, there was a guy at my church, his name's Isaac Wardell, and he's an amazing producer. And he has his own, like he does produces all of his own music in a separate space from where he was working. As, wow. um, yeah, really cool. He's That's a really cool really guy. Cool. Yeah, super cool. And uh, so I I had all these songs and I reached out to him with with these like little my little baby songs and he's very uh he's very like honest and very straightforward so I knew he would tell me the truth and so I sent him an email I sent him my songs I was like oh would you be you know maybe interested he's like well send me your songs I sent it to him and he's like yeah these aren't bad and I was like okay well that is a huge compliment I will take that these aren't bad great yeah I'll file that away as like things I remind myself these aren't bad right and that was kind of how I got to my first EP is he recorded it for me. And I really did, still didn't even know what I was doing. I just, I like gave him all the music and he brought some, uh, some people in who were already recording a record and they recorded all of the music for that, I think in like a one day. And then I came in wow. and did all the vocals in a half oh, a day. Cool. Yeah. Wow. So that was, yeah. That's kind of how, how I got to at least the beginning part of mm-hmm. trying to take myself more seriously and. That is, you know, just something really cool about that. I really love that this is someone at your church. So, you know, with church, there's such a community there and having that connection and feeling like, okay, it's, it's almost like the signs are pointing to, Hey, you have this crossover with this person. Now's the time to do it. And I think that is just really cool. And and to be able to say, boom, this is how I did it. And good for yeah. you for like, you know, saying, I'm going to do this. Yeah. That I don't can know be if really I said hard. it like that. I was kind of like, <laughs> I'm going to do this. But I, I did it. it. But you know, sometimes you say it with timidity, but it doesn't matter because the results are the same. It got yep. done. Exactly. And, you know, I, my husband especially was, I mean, I, was, I remember, I remember exactly where I was sitting before I chose to send the email and I thought I was going to throw up. I was just about to send an email. I've had all this, I was like, I'm gonna yep. I know that and feeling. He's like, listen, the only way you get a yes is to send the email mm-hmm. right now. You've got a no and you right. could get a no, like an actual more formal no, but the only way you get a yes is to just go ahead and send the email. Exactly. Just do and it. I was like, okay, I think maybe I'm more afraid of yes than no, you know? I understand that. And that can oh. be scary for sure, but look what happened. Yeah. You know, and that's just, I think that's just so huge. And it's just a powerful statement to me to be able to say, I'm scared, but I'm going to do it. 
yes. I'm scared. I'm going to throw up now, but yes. I'm going to do it. Yes. <laughs> I know that feeling. It's, it's intense to have that kind of, you know, emotion take over you, but be able to say, okay, I just got to do it. I just got to do it. I go like this because you know, that feeling where you're like, oh, okay, I'll do it. And I'll go the other direction for now. Put it yes. out of my head. <laughs> yeah. I mean, either way it's, I think for me, I didn't want to, I was more afraid of the emotion of regret Mm -hmm. than I was of fear or rejection. Right. That's awesome. And so I had to make a choice. I was like, do I want to live in regret or, or am I willing to step into a place where I will feel the emotion of what it feels like to be rejected or disappointed? And regret's a pretty uh, unfortunate feeling to feel. Yeah. Yeah. So I did, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to feel that. And even if he hadn't, even if he had said no, I think I would have kept going because I know I'm supposed to do this. So that's so awesome. How to do it. Yeah. That is so awesome. I love it. Yeah. Um, I am curious, you know, yeah. with, when it comes to like, I'm not a musician. I don't pretend to be a musician. I wish I was a musician. I wish I could sing, but you know, people's ears bleed when I sing. No, no. So I don't even try, but in my family, my sister is a musician. My brother's a musician. My brother plays guitar. My sister plays piano and flute. And I'm like the weirdo in the family. But it always makes me think with musicians, is there musical influence in your family? Or are you kind of the, the start of the musical genes in your family? Oh, well, my... I think my family is musical. I mean, I, I grew up, my dad would play piano kind of to himself and make mm-hmm. up things, which I thought was beautiful. My mom could kind of, I mean, she I could play piano and she didn't play that frequently, but she was able to do it. And, um, you know, all of my mom's sisters, they all sang alto, which I, mm-hmm. I thought was really beautiful. I was a soprano. And I think if I had to go back in the choir, I would sing alto. And a lot of people don't like to sing alto because it can be kind of a repetitive line, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's in contrast to the melody. Mm -hmm. But I, it's something I've had to really practice to learn how to sing harmony. So it's a skill. It is a skill uh, to learn how to sing harmony. So sometimes I wish I had sung like soprano too or, or alto, but I think I was just maybe a little bit lazy and enjoyed just singing, <laughs> just singing the melody. That's right. fine. I can own that. So yeah. So I do feel like there's musical influence. I mean, I do feel like we are in a really unique space and time where there is just more space to pursue creative work and Definitely more expectation of that. I think my parents grew up in a generation where there just wasn't a lot of imagination around how you could do, do those things. And so they did very practical um, work, which was what they needed to do for how they grew up and where Mm -hmm. they were. So they were both engineers. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Both engineers. And so I, but it was still in the house, you know? And so, yeah, that's kind of how I, I, I got there, but the main, I think the thing that really changed me for me, there, there were a couple of spots along the way where I, I was really impacted by their musical taste. And mm-hmm. one of them, the very first, well, a couple of first people that I remember listening to was Eliza Gilkinson and she's an Americana singer songwriter. And my dad had a tape of hers that we listened to. And I just, I loved it. I don't, I loved some of her lyrics and I love the tension that she held in the lyrics. Even as a small child, I just had this sense of like, uh, 
that life was not one way or the other, that Mm. there was like a deep nuance in, in the world. And, and then also Natalie Merchant, kind of similar, Mm. you know, right. Yeah. She's amazing. And she was the first concert I went to, went to go see 10,000 maniacs. Oh my gosh. I'm jealous. And I'm not, I'm not into concerts, but I'm jealous of that because she is so amazing. She was amazing. I was like eight or nine. I was eight or nine at the Cynthia Woods Mitchell Pavilion in Houston, Texas. I looked it up. It was in the nineties and um, I'm dating myself. It's fine. I like to be dating. Hey, listen, I'm 41. So it's okay. It's I get really it. Like, I love being, I love being my age, but I, I remember we sat up on the lawn and she came out and she kind of had her back to the audience. And then she turned around she had this kind of shift dress that flared out and she spun around and kicked her shoes off. And I thought, I want to be you. Mm-hmm. This is the most remarkable thing. And she was amazing. So, uh, that was kind of, that was a really big one for me. And then I don't know if you know, Patty Griffin, if you're familiar. I know the name. That sounds really familiar. I'm not sure why. Yeah. She's incredible songwriter. And I was introduced to her. I was 15. And this was kind of when I decided I had to do it, like it kind of planted a seed in me. And I was at, I was at camp and the guy who was in charge of the music at camp, he is, I think like an Episcopal priest. He's very interesting. And he was a songwriter and he just handed me the CD and he's like, I think you need this. <laughs> and gave it to me. And I listened to it and I was like, I did need this. Isn't that this amazing? Is everything I needed in my life right now was Patty Griffith's album, Living with Ghosts. So good. I love that. So, it's amazing when something touches you like that. Oh yeah. She has this incredible song called Mad Mission. And the chorus is like, it's a mad mission under difficult conditions. Not everybody makes it to the loving cup. It's a mad mission, but I've got the ambition. Mad, mad mission signed me up. And I thought, whoo, I need that inspiration. Like it's hard, but keep, but let's keep going, you know? Yeah, definitely. That is so cool. You know, it's, 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 can't think of the right word that I'm trying to say, but it's really cool hearing this from a singer songwriter, because like, like I said, I am in no stretch of the imagination, a musician, maybe in my dreams, but music is very important to me, yeah. always has been. And music touches me very, very deeply. You know, I'm an artist, just not in a performance art kind of way, but it's really touching to hear you talking about you know, the lyrics and the music in a way, just, you know, from someone who's not a songwriter or a singer or anything like that. It's just really cool to hear that coming from you. That's really, really cool. Yeah. I think it's so powerful. The combination of both the breath and the tone mixed with words. I just Mm -hmm. think it's so fascinating that as humans, we get to make that. I agree. I think that's really Really cool how you just worded that. Yeah, and it just, oh, I love it. Um, so tell me what, you know, the music that you write and that you play now, what, where do you find your influence for this music that you're currently working on? Well, this particular record, I had been kind of bopping around in my head that I, I felt this sense that, I mean, I love pop music. I love all of that stuff. It's really fun. I love to run to it. It's catchy. It's like great to make your bed to, you know, all of these things. And I also like music from my childhood, like very nostalgic music. But most of the content of 
that music doesn't actually pertain to my life stage. Mm -hmm. So I'm not breaking up with anybody right now. I am not drinking down at the bar and trying to pick somebody up or having been picked up, you know, (laughs) I am not having that angst that you have in those, you know, early years of life. Um, and so I felt like I needed something, like I wanted something that spoke to where I actually am. And I, I found a few artists who wrote songs like that. Lori McKenna is one. She's Mm -hmm. a beautiful songwriter out of Boston. She has five kids. She wrote Humble and Kind that Tim McGraw covered. Mm. And she's amazing. She's an amazing songwriter. And I just appreciated that she's older and that she wrote songs that felt relevant to me. And then, you know, Brandi Carlisle, I feel like has some beautiful music that I feel is very relevant to, you know, my life stage. And and there's some other there's some other people who I would put in that category too. Natalie Hemby, I think the High Women, that whole collection of women is just amazing. But I wanted more. I just wanted things that felt palatable to me that I that spoke to me. So that was kind of how that was sort of how these songs came to be. And then some of them I wrote in the pandemic as I was trying to process mm-hmm. my own grief and trauma and understand kind of how to how to move through that mm-hmm. while um, naming what I was in the midst of and yet you know, continuing to press forward. So that was kind of how this record came to pass. And that's sort of, yeah. That's really cool. And, you know, just, it's, it's just as a side note, you mentioned the pandemic and I think, wow, you have such a great way or opportunity, I should say, to sort of sort through what you're feeling because this pandemic has been so crazy, so weird, so bizarre for everybody in the world. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, just for me as a podcast host, as someone who just talks to women and works with women all the time, moms, pregnant women, women with infertility, it's been so interesting to hear how people have sort of dealt with the pandemic and the trauma of it. And I think it's such a unique opportunity for you to be able to sort through it by writing music and you know, I, I just think that's really, I use the word beautiful all the time and I don't no, mean to, but it you. is, I think that is a beautiful way to sort through it. You know, I'm a journaler. I like to journal and write my thoughts and yeah. it's similar, but different. The expression is different. And I think that's, that's super cool that you had that opportunity to be able to do that during this extremely strange period in time. So crazy. <laughs> I know. I think the collective grief is really true. And I mean, one of the things they talk about in writing is that you think it's the general things that relate to people, but it's actually the particularity. And so I think I felt really called to just be very particular. Like this is my story, but in my story are, are other people's stories and and hopefully it gives them a voice to name for themselves to yeah. what's what their experience has been. So Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that because mm-hmm. that is a hundred percent true. You know, it's just We all are feeling these similar things. And I think the vast majority of people can feel it through music. And that is something really powerful. And I think that's, that's awesome. I like the way you worded that. Thank you. So (laughs) um, I have kind of an interesting question here. Okay. So you're a mom, you have three kids, right? I do. Yes. 
How do your children feel about your music, about you performing, about the music that you write? Do they hear your music? You know, like I, I, I'm always curious about this because kids are so judgmental about their parents (laughs) and it's always really interesting to see how kids react to, you know, their parents, especially when their parents are performers. So I'm curious. Yeah. Well, we, we're just heading into the tween phase. So I will have to circle back with you on how (laughs) I am perceived as my son gains more awareness of my own hypocrisy because it's just coming. I know it is, you know, like at some point they're like, you're telling me not to be on tech, but you're looking at your phone. (laughs) You know, and so, and so they will call you to account to yourself. And I think there's a couple of ways you can uh, deal with that. It's either you can be defensive or you can be like, wow, they're naming something that's true that I am not observed about myself Mm -hmm. because children are very honest and they will tell the truth to you. And if you have ears to hear it, it can be a really kind invitation actually. But for my kids, I think, you know, I think they like it. I think they think it's fun you know, I've sung to them since they were little. I have lullabies that I've created for them that are theirs that are particular to them. I, I try not to require them to participate, but mm-hmm. I invite them to participate to their own That's nice. degree because they're yeah. different than me. They're not me. Right. You know, it's very tempting. I would love to live vicariously. Like, here's all the things I didn't get to do. You could do them now, but they're not me. You know, they're right they've got their own call in their heart to who they're supposed to be. So, you know, I mean, that's such a powerful statement and it's so very true. It is. Yeah, it is true. But you know, here's the funny thing. I, I start as I practice, I practice pretty regularly and I try to create time to, to do that. And so my daughter downloaded this piano app and now she is practicing piano. She's eight herself on the piano downstairs with this app. And it has inspired my son to start practicing piano. And I had them take piano, I don't know, three or four years ago, but they weren't very inspired to do it. So we stopped. I was like, I just don't have the energy to force you to do something. I've been there as a kid. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Me too. I was like, what is the point of all this? You know, and I have mixed feelings about that. I'm like, I would kind of wish my parents had made me do it. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if I would have come to it myself if I had been forced. So I don't know. The human psychology is very interesting, but very, (laughs) so I don't know. There's time. I think there's time for them to develop their own sense around it. Yeah. You know, that, that's really, that's, that's, I like that answer because that's a very honest and very real answer. I love it. I think as parents, you know, it can be really tempting to try to project. I feel tempted sometimes to project all of these aspirations onto my kids um, instead of, Same here. yeah, it's so hard, you know, and I, and, you know, you can be tempted to be like, it's a reflection on me, but that's all other people's opinions, which are mm-hmm. so subjective and, and like also optional. So I, I think in this phase of life, I've just tried to be like, tried to try, I've tried really hard to attune myself to who are they separate from me, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's tricky. Yeah. I mean, my kids are little, my, I have twins and they're almost two. They're going to be two two, in like two weeks or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, like, but, but it's at that, I'm starting to get to that point where I can, I can understand exactly what you're saying. And that is that that's one of the, the challenges of being a mom. I mean, being a parent really, but being a mom, 
I see that becoming a challenge for me. So I totally get where you're coming from with that though, being able to kind of step back and say, okay, they're not me. They're not me. They're going to figure all this stuff out and figure out who they are. And they change so much as we all do, you know, throughout yes. our lives, we change so much. And it's really fun to, to see your kids grow and develop and their personalities come out. And then you think you understand them. And then all of a sudden you're like, who are you now? What? Okay. <laughs> yeah. And allowing for that. I think allowing for them to discover themselves and to differentiate from for me is going to be, is important to them too. You know, cause when they're young, they want to be like you. And then at some point they're like, don't want to be like you anymore. And giving them space to be like, I reject everything about you. And be like, okay, I can allow you to do that. That was very hard. We'll circle back. back. (laughs) Oh, deep breath. breathe in. I will survive this. Oh man. And then you kind of look back to when you were a teen or a tween or however old, however old you were at that point. And remember, Oh, I did the same thing to my parents. Yeah. Okay. Mm, yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so tell me, I mean, I, 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 I kind of feel like we touched on this a little bit. I kind of have two questions here. Yeah. And I'm going to put them together in one question. Okay. Why, not why I should say, but what, no, I guess why, why are you passionate about music and to kind of piggyback on that? What is your favorite part? about what you do as a musician? Why am I passionate? And what's my favorite part? Okay, I'm just hold on. Hold the thoughts in my head real quick. Um, (laughs) Why am I passionate about music? I love stories. I love stories. It's how we come to understand ourselves in the world. It's how we understand our, who we are, who other people are. It's how we're revealed even to ourselves and And so I think stories are absolutely beautiful and powerful and have the capacity to change lives. And so I love, I love writing music because I love writing stories and I love to sing. Like I love to sing. I love the instrument that is the voice. It's its own instrument. That was something I had to realize. Someone was like, how do you take care of your instrument? And I was like, I don't know if I ever thought of it as an instrument. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is an instrument. I should take care of it. You know, I just sort of took yeah. it for granted. I didn't think of it as like being something other than myself, but I love to sing. And so I love those two things together. I think it's, I think it's so much fun to play around vocally with different words. And, and so, yeah, so that's, that's why I love music. It's changed my life. It's given me a way to see the world that has made me feel at home with myself. Mm-hmm you know, has invited me back to myself and, and it's a way to communicate that, um, is deeply emotional and deeply embodied. So I I just love that. And then, oh, what was the second question? Uh, your favorite part. Oh, my favorite part. Oh gosh. I guess that kind of all goes together. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. That's why I put them in one question. I love, I love, mm, I love from myself, when I hear a song that I really enjoy, I love what I love about music is like, okay, so for example, if I say to you, we've got a bright orange, bright, beautiful, fresh navel orange, and it's cut in half and it's dripping, and you can smell the sweetness of the citrus, like you can see that orange, and then you're somewhere in your mind where you've had that. 
mm-hmm. in your own story. You're there with that orange in the kitchen table at your mom's house, which she cut it up for you. And, you know, maybe she peeled all the skin off and maybe you, you're like trying to bite it. And so she cut it. And like, you can remember all of those things just by saying that. And I have my own, like, I have my own story that's coming up. Mm-hmm. And so we're having this beautiful synergy of like how it's invoking your mind and my mind just by one simple image that's particular, but yet general at the same time. Right. And so I just love that. That is <laughs> I love how you just told that story because I've never thought about it that way. And that is exactly what it's like because you can connect on this level with this thing. It's different, but you can connect it or through it. Yeah. And so I love, like when I perform and I play a song, I know every single person in that audience is their body is like having these beautiful memories. They're having this anticipation of like, they're just they're brought to themselves in a different way. And I get to participate. I'm brought to myself and I get to participate. And we are actually creating our own memory even in that space. So mm-hmm. I just think that's so cool. I, I, think, just think that's I really love cool. it. I so. think that's just delightful. <laughs> Pardon a better yeah, word. I love it. I think it's really fun. So of all of your songs, do you have a favorite? And if you do, I would love if you would play some of your music if it's a favorite that you want to play or my favorite which we talked about before (laughs) which is beautiful that way you don't have to play that one but I think you have such a beautiful voice and I think your music is lovely and and I you know I as someone who creates music I don't know because I don't create music do you have a favorite is there something that you feel like oh this is my favorite thing that I've created. Like I'm an artist and I sew and I make wallets and I have hundreds of them. And I always have my favorite that I'm like, I don't want to sell this because I love it too much. So I'm going to keep it. And I just wonder if you have the same kind of thing with your music. Oh yeah. I, I, um, let's see. <laughs> it, it actually changes. I will say, uh, I have different different songs of mine that I like in, in different seasons for a really long time. My favorite song was, um, one of my songs off of my first EP called should have let me down. And I think I, I liked it because I, I liked the words, but I also liked it because it was the first song I wrote where I was really proud of it. Mm, I <laughs> and that. I was like, okay, this is going somewhere. I see. I have, I might have what it takes, you know? And then I loved the song of my second EP, Both Hands, because it was deeply personal. It was about my grandmother. And so that felt really precious to me. And I think on this current record, I love Beautiful That Way, and I am going to play it for you. Oh, good. I love that song. I just love playing. It's a fun song to play. But right now, my favorite song on the record for myself is called Moonlit Wings. And I wrote it for my daughter. I wrote it for my daughter. And I I mean, it may not be anybody else's favorite song, but I just love it. It makes me happy in my mind. I go to this place of fairies and dancing and I can just remember myself at that age. And so I'm just loving that song right now. I love that. It's so awesome. Well, I would love to hear Beautiful That Way. I'm telling you the first time I heard that song, I was just kind of like, oh, and I just think it's a beautiful song and I mean like I said I think your music is just unique and special and beautiful but that song for whatever reason really touches me like in my soul so oh thank you so much I I wrote this song I was let's see I was in my early 30s and I had this person who told me I looked really young and and that I should play younger 
I could play younger on my social media and, you know, I could, I could kind of pretend like I wasn't in my early thirties and, oh, it just created such a bind in my heart because I wanted to love being in my early thirties. I didn't want to do that. And so, yeah, this thought, the, the title just came to me beautiful that way. And so I sat down and I wrote down all the ways in which culture sort of dictates to us what it means to be beautiful. So that was kind of how this came to us. I love it. All right. I could take a time machine back to 23. I got a lot more looks back then. Three drinks given to me. I could watch that ticking clock pining over glory days, but I don't want to be beautiful that way. I could read all of Cosmo magazine unabridged. Tell you all of Victoria's secrets, baby. Purse and pout my lips. Eat rabbit food three times a day so I can fit into her lingerie, but I don't want to be beautiful. I, I love that song and hearing the story behind it. I think I understand even more. So why I love that song, why it touches me so deeply, because in my thirties, I had a very difficult time 
And I worked so hard every day to say, I'm in my thirties. This is a time I should be empowered and not wishing I was younger. And I got to a point, I mean, I was like 37 when I got to that point, but I got to a point where I was like, darn right. I'm in my thirties. I don't want to be in my twenties. And I just, that song is, is something very special. So uh, thank you for playing that. I I think it's, Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm just smiling so big. Uh, I've got like tears in my eyes because I, it, it speaks to me so very much. Oh, thank you so much. That's awesome. Thanks for letting me share it with you. Oh, of course. And thank you for sharing the story behind it. I always like hearing the story behind art, all art performance art, visual art, you name it, because there is a story behind every piece of art. And oh, I'm like, so happy right now. I love that. It's going to be in my head the rest of the day. Oh, and I'm okay yay. with it. I'm, I'm okay so with glad. that. I don't get to play it that often. So it's fun. It's fun to play for you. Oh, well, even better, even yeah. better. So let's switch things up a little bit. Um, I always give people these two questions together because sometimes people have the same answer for both. Sometimes they don't. Um, so I'll give them to, to both of them and you answer them in any order you want. So the first one is if you could have drinks, dinner, a walk on the beach, whatever, any, anything that is your way of hanging out and getting to know people with three people, dead or alive, fictional or real, related to you, not related to you. They don't have to be people. They can be uh, cartoons. They can be animals. They could be whatever you want. Who would they be and why? And then the other question is, who are three people who have the, who have had the most influence on you? The floor is yours. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh gosh. Well, I know they're you know, hard questions. I, no, it's fine. <laughs> I took a kind of a playful approach. I just sort of let my mind wander for the first one. And I honestly, the, the thought that came to me was that I would love to sit with all of the emotions from inside out. Yes, I love it. I just, I, I love don't know that movie. why. I think maybe it's because I'm doing a lot of work around processing emotion right now. I think, I don't know if you do anything with the Enneagram, but I'm mm-hmm. a, I'm an Enneagram seven. And so a lot of my life has been spent in my head, kind of in this space that is disconnected from my body. And the more work I've done for myself and my own story, the more I've just desired to be in my body and to kind of know what it feels like to feel things. Because in truth, that's really the thing we're scared about. It's not so much the actual thing. It's what we think we're going to feel about it. And so if we can process our emotions, then we have a lot of power to be present with ourselves. And so I just think that'd be really fun. I would love to sit with joy and sadness together. Definitely. Oh my gosh. They're both popping up into my head right (laughs) now. that that's such a fun answer and I get that I mean I get it a hundred percent and I I just want to say I love what you just said about not being afraid of the thing it's the emotion I was just talking about this yesterday I was just talking about that exact uh oh what's the word I'm looking for thing I mean that it's just so funny to hear another person say that yeah I mean if you think about it you know, before you send an email to someone, if you're anticipating rejection, you're afraid of feeling rejected, right? And it's like, if you can allow yourself the space to process the feeling of rejection and not let that scare you away, then, then you just have a lot more power. Like you just have the ability to do more because you won't be dictated by that. So exactly. I mean, that's just, I mean, I go back to the email situation, but like, that's kind of, that's, that's where I am. So, and then I think, 
people who have had the most influence on me. Oh my gosh. I just don't even know how to pick three people. (laughs) I mean, I think my mom has had a huge, obviously, I think anybody in your family of origin is going to be incredibly impactful because they help set for you how your brain works, Mm -hmm. you know, very early. So my parents for sure. And then I think as I stepped into an intentional space of choosing people that I wanted to be influenced by, I mean, my husband has been so profoundly influential to me. He is a fearless go-getting kind of person. And he was always inviting me to a space of, of power and a space of possibility. And yeah, he's just not afraid. I mean, I remember when I was sitting there trying to figure out how to do music and I was like, I just want to do this. And I was whining and I was <laughs> in the emotion of self-pity. And I was like, blah, 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 you know, and he was standing in the door and I just remember him looking at me and he was, just looked at me and he's like, listen, just do it. <laughs> Get up, pick up your guitar and just do it. And I'm like, I can't do it. And he's like, just do it. Just <laughs> start doing it. And I'm like, I can't do it, you know? And so, I mean, I think back to that because he just was like, get out of your head, get up and just, just do it. Like get into action, you know? And so, I mean, he's just been so helpful to me in that space. And gosh, then I don't even know. I don't even know where to go from there. You don't have to have a third. You don't have to. I use three because I like the number three. It doesn't have to be three. It's just, I I like giving people the option of three. Sometimes there's nobody. Sometimes there's 75. Sometimes there's one. So that's totally fine. Those are two amazing answers. Yeah. Well, okay. Maybe I'll, here, I've got one. Okay. (laughs) My younger self, my younger self has been a huge influence to me. Um, she, I, I have a picture of her when she was 15. And I think to myself frequently, I don't want to disappoint you. Mm-hmm. Like I will do all the work I need to do so that I know you would be proud of where I stand today. And I so, love it. Yeah, That's so, a great answer. Yeah. Again. I mean, these are such personal answers. There's no yeah. good or right. bad. There's no right or wrong. Just right. As, you know. But that's, that's really introspective. And yeah. I like that. That's kind of why I like asking these questions. Yeah. Um, my very last question for you, this is my silly, I just am obsessed with this question. Do you have a nickname? I don't have a nickname. <laughs> I like, you know what though? I, I, I was, I'm from this. I was born in the South. My mm-hmm. family's all from the South. And so I did have a double name Oh, and it was Laura Elaine, Ooh, That's but funny. my mom would just put it all together. So it'd be like Laura Elaine. Mm-hmm. all together <laughs> and Laura Lane. And, uh, when I got into elementary school, I thought this is way too many letters. I just cannot do this. So my name is Laura. It's four letters. L O R A. I thought this is way more efficient. So I just chopped off the second half of the name, but that's how I know that people knew me when I was young. Mm-hmm. They call me Laura Lane. That's right. And then you're like, Oh, look at that. You did know me. You knew me. (laughs) I love that. That's really cool though. It was a full name. I like that. That's just always a fun question for me because I'm obsessed with nicknames. I don't, not because like, I love nicknames or anything. I love the concept of nicknames and I love understanding people's stories. And a lot of the time there's a big story behind a nickname Mm -hmm. and there's a big story behind your name, obviously. So it's kind of cool. And that's just a fun one for me. Do you have a nickname? I'm just curious. I I have so many nicknames, but the, there are two. Well, yeah, there are two. There's caribou, 
Oh, which cute. Is my favorite. My mom called me, well, actually, not even my mom, my aunt Denise. She still calls me caribou. Oh. All these years later, she called me caribou when I was little. Every time I see her I talk to her, hey, caribou. Oh, um, my mom called me that a bit more when I was little, but the big one, and this is funny, and people are going to be like, that's not really a nickname, but caribou. That is what so many people call me because my maiden name is Bendler with a B. Uh. And always, even when I got married, everyone just knew me as Caribbee. I mean, I have had a lot of other nicknames. Don't get me like Caribbee. No. That's yeah. like everyone's favorite to just call me Care. But Caribbee, totally. which is why like I always sign things Caribbee. And my first business was Caribbee Design and Wellness because that's how everybody knew me. Caribbee, not Caribbee. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of how we identify ourselves. It's our story, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And, and that's just, yeah. that's something I find fascinating. Plus, you know, people have nicknames that have nothing to do with their name, that people have nicknames that have everything to do with their name. And it's just always really fun for me to, to get to know. Thank you for asking me that, by the way. Yeah, I'm glad I'm that thinking. no one ever asked me that. So that was yeah. really fun. Yeah, I love it. Oh, it's been so fun to be with you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, this is this is awesome. I just last question here. Tell me where our listeners can connect with you, learn more about you, listen to your beautiful music. When can we expect this new record that you're working on? Thank you so much. Yes. So you can find me on my website. It's Laura Kelly, L-O-R-A. K-E-L-L-E-Y.com. Absolutely none of the ways you would think it would be spelled. <laughs> so if you think you've got it that. right, you probably don't. So just try it <laughs> you're wrong. Uh, yeah, you're wrong. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram um, at Laura underscore Kelly. And I love to connect with people on Instagram. It's so much fun. And um, so those are kind of the two main social places you can find me. I'm on, also on Facebook. And then the uh, record is due out June 10th. It's called Domestique. And you can actually pre-order the record right now on Bandcamp if you want to. And when you pre-order the record, you will get a little bonus demo song that I wrote that was a response to Somewhere Over the Rainbow. And it was, yeah, it was a lot. I was trying, I was singing somewhere over the rainbow to my littlest daughter. She's 18 months. And I thought, this is so forlorn. I need some kind of, I need Dorothy to get over the rainbow. (laughs) So I wrote a little upbeat version of it where she gets over the rainbow. Oh Oh, my goodness. That is so cool that, well, I'm excited. My kid's birthday, they turn two on June 7th. So we'll have to say, all right. Your birthday's here. Now we got to listen to Laura's new album. Oh, thank you. That's exciting. Well, I just want to thank you so much for being here with me today and for playing that song. I, I, like I said, I mean, I've listened to a lot of your music and it's just, just beautiful. But that one, I understand now so much why I felt it in my soul the first time I heard it. It makes so much sense. Oh, thank you. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been so fun.